You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real and filtered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture from an Asian American millennial perspective. My name is Mindy Chang, and I'm your host. I'm flying solo this week. And welcome, get comfortable in my virtual living room, newcomers and returning visitors. All are welcome because I have a story for you guys and some reflections on something that I experienced a couple months ago, actually. And um, several friends and a couple listeners had asked when I was going to share this story. So thought might as well. Um, now is better than ever, especially now that we're entering that special last four weeks of the year where we're reflecting on everything and gearing up for the next year. I'm kind of already ahead. I'm already thinking of 2019 hardcore. But since, yeah, it's it's time to wind down and figure out what our learning lessons are and how to move forward. So this week, um, I'm going to share a story with you guys about an incident that I had uh, a couple months ago while searching for a manager. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, um, you will learn about me as we go and know that I'm an actor based in Los Angeles. And I've been acting for about six years um, on the side, but this year spread my wings and now I'm flying, sort of, <laughs> trying not to crash and burn literally every day. But um, yeah, this has been a really big transitional year for me in my career. And now I'm pursuing acting, writing, producing, you know, the film and TV world, hardcore full time and podcasting that uh, um, podcasting is my my therapy, my storytelling outlet and my way to just connect with the rest of the world. So all those things constitute my life, that and voiceover. But anyway, that's me in a nutshell. Um, so now that I've given that any bit of context, first of all, I want to make sure that people understand that even though I am a complete and total millennial, I take selfies, I'm obsessed with Instagram, I'm on my phone way too much, I'm equally lost and like concerned about how to pay off you know, debt and live my life and stay well with my mental health and maintain relationships and reconcile with my identity, all that. Like I'm a complete and total utter millennial. The reason why I felt really compelled to speak about this, because I know that there are, there's a range of, of listeners who tune into this podcast. I do know, um, at least from the people who communicate me, communicate with me on a regular basis they share you know those people are mostly millennials so i'm speaking to that audience but as as a fellow millennial to reflect on this culture of outrage that we live in and that was really kind of the crux of what happened in this incident that i'm about to tell you and that's what i kind of want to address because that's the thing that um i'm reflecting on two years into this insane administration. And if you're listening to this in December of 2018, things are getting ridiculous right now. It's kind of exciting because it's, you know, like Robert Mueller is Superman, 
but like <laughs> in a legal political standpoint, he's like a true superhero who's bringing a lot of, I mean, we've just been anticipating this moment for a long time. So there's a lot happening right now, but um, we've been going through a lot this year and the year before. I think it's kind of come to a head and society has become, um, I don't know, you know, it's the result of the social media age that we are totally up to our eyeballs in and living and breathing and the tension between all different types of people, whether you know, it's based on age or race or geographical location or, you know, your income level or your immigration status or whether you are an American or a citizen of the rest of the world. And on behalf of America, if you're listening outside of America, because I know I have some listeners, I'm it's it's been rough. OK, it's been embarrassing and tough and demoralizing um, and overall hard. We're having all these discussions that I think are really important and they're just kind of part of that uncomfortable part of growth and like you're facing hard things that were inevitable and that needed to be talked about. But in the process of talking about it, it's super uncomfortable because we're still figuring it out. So I want to address the outrage culture because I've been a really big part of that. I feel like my tendency, my personality, my values, um, my loud my very loud mouth. I don't know. I've been learning how to navigate my own opinions and how to formulate them properly and how to fact check and know what the heck I'm talking about before I start spewing venom. Um, that's a huge part of this culture, the society that we live in, especially in this generation where, you know, there are a lot of these stereotypes, a lot of that I think are complete BS, but a lot of elements of stereotypes that do hold true in terms of, you know, I personally think millennials are incredibly smart and savvy and hardworking, but there is a lot of like entitlement and immediate gratification and like this demanding, like not willing to deal with the hardship that is inherent in working hard sometimes. Um, we're so hellbent on working smart and getting everything kind of immediately and strategically and wanting to fix everything that we inherited, which is a lot of crap. Um, we've kind of lost the ability to be patient and communicate. So that's kind of the larger context of what I wanted to say before I start my story, because that's really, you know, where this story has significance and value. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an actor. I've been pursuing acting professionally for six years, but that has really been on the side of me running a nonprofit and that nonprofit I've been part of for nine years and um, just going hardcore in that world and really making that my number one priority. Now that world, which was my collaboration world, if any of you are new, check out Collaboration with a K. That was my universe. And um, I'm so grateful that I got to experience running that organization and being part of it for the last nine years. Um, I basically was able to be exposed to the entertainment industry from like a community organizer, nonprofit leadership sort of way. Now, what Collaboration did is that we put on talent showcases. We put on talent showcases all across North America. And um, so it wasn't just California. I ran shows in San Francisco and Los Angeles, but I also emceed and went to and helped develop shows in 
Boston and Dallas and Detroit and New York and Toronto and Atlanta and just all over. It's been really, really incredible, very eye-opening for me to constantly travel and to meet with my community, which is the Asian American community and the creative community in terms of artists who are pursuing music or comedy or dance or writing and film. Um, I got to meet them from all corners of this country. And yeah, largely, you know, children of immigrants, second generation, figuring out who they are, dealing with different sorts of racism, dealing with sorts of um, identity crises and whatnot. That arena, I've become super, super, I I think it's safe to say I've become an expert in that arena. I am an expert, at least in this particular generation of Asian Americans and Asian American artists. Um, it's It's been my job and my honor and my privilege to learn all that. So not only like do I understand the identity components of this generation, but I also understand the industry components of just entertainment and specifically being a minority and being a minority and minority, like a female Asian American, um, understanding the many different ways that that has played out for different actresses and how they have pursued that career. And I've been able to, again, interview and have heart to hearts and be mentored by so many different people in the entertainment industry. I think having that experience as collaboration executive director was something really, really priceless because there's so many actors in Hollywood, um, whether they're Asian American or not, whether they're female or not, you know, they're, everyone's kind of just going at it the best that they can on their own and trying to figure it out. And this is no easy industry to figure out. And this is exactly why my parents didn't want me to do this because, you know, the, not only do they not know it, anybody who's in it is still like, they're like 50% sure most of the time, like they're doing it right, quote unquote, because there's no right way. And that's the joy and the misery of it. Because when you go to medical school, there is a format for, I mean, you can go to a different school, you can choose different, you know, focuses. And there are different ways to tweak the experience to make it kind of unique. But for the most part, it's a pretty straightforward process in terms of school and tests and interviews and med school residencies. And like you have that path. It's pretty carved out for you. Mind you, it's incredibly difficult. So by no means am I diminishing the achievement of becoming a doctor. I'm just saying it's different in terms of the structural components compared to acting. Acting is like you just go out there, you make art, you network with people, you try to get representation, and you just keep trying to stay afloat day after day, year after year. It is not for the faint of heart. If you're thinking about acting, think about it. Okay. Um, so yeah, that these two worlds were like my universes. And in 2012, that's when I had already been part of collaboration San Francisco for three years. I decided I want to become an actor and I started taking acting classes. Now these acting classes, um, I went to Beverly Hills Playhouse in San Francisco, still one of my favorite experiences of my life. And I learned so much, not only about being an actor, but being a professional actor. There's a difference because you can take an acting class and you can learn so much about yourself and about humanity and about empathy, but you may not necessarily learn what it takes to be paid to do so, how to 
you know, learn your casting and how to network with casting directors and how to get an agent and all that stuff. And that's what that school really introduced to me. So basically since 2012, I've been getting incremental training through my peers, through my teacher, and just observing people around me and auditioning and just the doing of it. I've learned, you know, step by step, inch by inch, like honestly, like millimeter by millimeter, the process of becoming an actor. And it's, it's very fun. You know, it's a lot of entrepreneurs I think might enjoy it, but it's also kind of infuriating because there's no guarantee of anything. Um, But in any case, it's safe to say that any actor who's out there is always aiming to get representation, getting agent and getting a manager. Those are two different things um, are really important for an actor to obtain. It's a key part of like building your team, you know, as you become a professional and as you become, you know, who Kate Blanchett, you have a team, you got a squad. Okay. And everyone knows this, right? You know, this from all the celebrities, you don't have, you have multiple agents. You have a different um, agent for acting, one for voiceover, one for commercial, one for literary. Like if you're a writer also, um, if you do speaking tours, you have an agent for like, you can have so many different kinds of representation. You have your manager, you have your lawyers, you have your publicist, you have your marketing team, you have your stylist. Like it gets ridiculous. And the, and the baby steps beginning is getting that agent and that manager. And it's a very important thing because those people are the ones that are going to get you the opportunities to work. Okay. So um, pretty straightforward. If anyone watched Entourage, I mean, you know, um, if you watch Friends, Joey Tribbiani, you know what I mean? Like we saw his life. Um It's, it's, it's a hustle. It's totally a hustle. And those key, uh, teammates of yours, if you will, are really, really important to get. Now, the thing about being an actor is that you have no guarantee of like getting an agent or manager, especially because personally for me, it's just so bizarre because it's such a chicken or egg thing. There are a lot of agents and managers out there who will not consider taking you on as a client to submit and they get tons of projects and they have to submit you to them. They give your headshot, your resume, and you're like, hey, consider this person for an audition. Now, agents and managers get access to a lot of different projects that you as the little underling who's maybe casting on things online and things like that for yourself. By the way, these are all pay to play, which is why it's so expensive to be a struggling actor. Um, Like, you basically just don't have the same kind of access. You don't have access to TV shows and to feature films and things that are legit and that will pay you and not exploit you, not assault you, not like not be sketch in any way. You got to weed all that out all on your own in the beginning. But that's why you want that those teammates because they will help ensure that you're going to get paid fairly, that you will get the credits that you want right? Um, Managers play a really significant role because they will help guide your career and you will not be just one of a hundred something, 200 something people on someone's roster like an agent. So those really, really brief one-on-one, that's the difference between an agent and a manager. A manager is somebody that pays more attention to you. They help manage your career. They look at you, they ask you, what are your goals? Do you want to do comedy? Is your goal to be on SNL? Well, what do you got to do to do that? Do you got to do improv class? Do you do a comedy class? Do you do sketch classes? How can they, you know, better do your headshots so that you can achieve this dream of being on SNL? That's what a manager will do. An agent is basically like, all right, I'll rep you. Let me put you on my list of people so that when I get 
when I get a caller from McDonald's and they need an Asian female between the ages of 20 and 35, I can submit you for that. That's all an agent does. You're just, it's important to be on that roster, but you're just a number. So my story is about me seeking a manager. I'm finally getting to the story, but I need to set the context. My story is about seeking a manager, and that's what I was doing this year. Now, the reason why I had chickened out from, not even chickened out, partially chickened out, but just delayed the process and the pursuit of a manager up until this year, even though I've been acting and building credits and doing short films and commercials and BuzzFeed videos and all that stuff for the last six years, um, I didn't do it because basically I learned from being in collaboration and being around a lot of other actors, if you're not available and you're not going to be able to audition when you need to audition, if a manager's going to stick their neck out and work on getting you into a room so that you can be seen by a casting director and you're constantly bailing because you have something else going on, um, that's going to mess up your relationship. It's not a good way to start off on the right foot, right? And I think this goes for any career. You need to be committed and you need to be available. That's a key thing, especially for an actor, because... That's the job is you got to show up and build relationships and wow everybody in the room. And if that person sticks their neck out for you and gets you in the room, but you're like, oh, I can't do that. Oh my gosh, I have this thing. I have another meeting. It's just not going to go well. And that relationship's not going to last very long. So because I kind of had that understanding and I learned that along the way, I had even had to turn down friends of some like really fun YouTube skits and things like that because I was constantly traveling or working for collaboration. That was my chosen commitment and my chosen priority. So I was not able to really be an actor the way I wanted to be. So that was where the choice came in and that's why I switched and that's why I realized, you know, this is the year. If you are not going to have a salary and if this is you and your hustle, then you got to go get them gigs and you got to go get yourself a manager. The thing about me is that I feel like all this training that I had in the last nine years gave me a certain sense of confidence that I'll figure it out and that I had a certain... Um, capability and a tenacity of how to deal with people because I've been dealing with the industry just in a different way. I've been dealing with sponsors. I've dealt with executives. I've invited celebrities. I've had to figure out my way to like to basically communicate clearly with people how to be accountable, reliable, responsive, all these things. So I felt like no matter what, I got to give this a go and I got to keep trying and eventually somebody will choose me. I also was really banking on the fact that Asian Americans are hot now. And I was part of that movement. I was part of the team that helped make Asian Americans relevant. That sounds kind of cocky, but I mean, I literally was I had the honor and the privilege of helping work on Crazy Rich Asians. And it's a fact that that movie greenlit a lot more projects and became a, you know, a national sensation and made people, especially in Hollywood, open their eyes and suddenly be really hungry for Asian American stories and talent because uh, you need the talent to tell the stories, right? So I basically had been anticipating this for a while. I knew that the iron was getting hotter and hotter. That was the work that I was doing with collaboration. So I was like, this is my time. I got to take this opportunity because if I don't, if I don't do this while I'm unmarried and have no no children to like really tie me down in any one spot, I will sincerely regret it. So there I go. I'm off. I'm <laughs> breaking out. I'm having hormonal acne because I'm so stressed out. I'm having massive anxiety, but I'm out there, you know, 
Like, I'm doing my thing. I'm an actor. I committed. And um, it took me a second, even so it took me several months, even after I quit my job and was like in this new state of being to uh, get through the anxiety and all of that to really hunker down, do my research, look at all the different management companies in LA, look through all of their stuff on like, do all my research online, see who might be needing Asian American talent, XYZ. There's a lot of work that goes into it before you're going to write that letter and start cold emailing people. Um, Also, side note, you're not really supposed to do that. It's highly, it's not recommended to cold email people when you're looking for managers or so they say. Again, I take everything with a grain of salt, but I was told everybody needs to have a referral. Like it's not good to just cold email people. They don't like that. They're not going to respond. They don't know you from like a complete random stranger. It'd be better if you had a referral. I was like, bruh, I don't have time for a referral. Like I asked people for referrals. I put that on social media, but you know, I got a couple offers. It was great, but really like, I was like, it's a numbers game. I need to reach out to as many people as I can. Um, but it's funny. A lot of them literally say like, we don't, take cold submissions we want referrals so I was like great um but I I started that search and it was around that time that I was in Atlanta it actually happened while I was in Atlanta and I remember the day that I finally sent out my letter I sent on my headshot my my resume it was like a really big milestone for me because I was like this is something I've been working towards and anticipating for really years you know, and several months since I had quit my job, I was like, I need to get a manager. And this is part of my new journey. I was finally doing it. So that was like four or five months later, (laughs) I needed a second. Okay. Um, so I did that and, um, I was like really banking on like, okay, I should be as charming as I can, charming and as succinct as possible in this letter. And I'm Asian. Like, this got to count for something. This is our time. It's our time. And so I sent it out. Lo and behold, I got two responses within the 24-hour period. I had sent out 21 emails. So roughly I got a 10% response rate. That's freaking amazing, you guys. It's amazing. Like, it was a miracle that I got two responses um, within a day. And this is from cold emailing. No referral. Exciting times. So I got the response. I um, set up phone calls and I, one of the people ended up being like kind of what I was fearing was like, okay, well, once you have TV credits, call me back. And I'm like, bro, how am I supposed to get TV credits if I don't have a manager? Like, why? Why do people keep telling me, call them back when I have TV credits? I need you to help me. But anyway, um, so that was that. But the other guy was a really great, uh, agent, I had like, not agent, sorry, manager. I looked him up and I'd seen his clientele as he'd done some pretty great work. Um, and he was an older Caucasian gentleman, older white guy. And based in Beverly Hills, had been working in the industry for 34 years, had some years of acting under his belt as well. A lot of managers do so that they, they know the biz themselves and super, super nice. But immediately I kind of had this fear, this gut feeling of like, okay, I don't know if does he get it? Does he get my plight? Like he was super, super happy to talk to me. He's like, I don't have anybody like you on my roster. I don't have anyone like you. And when they say like you, I immediately know Asian, like I don't have an Asian female on my roster. I didn't even need to check like his roster to know, but I just knew. 
so we're talking and I was like, okay, kind of like a little tiny red flag. I was like, okay, that's great. I'm like, A, score. I knew it. I knew that I'm a hot commodity. But B, I was just kind of like, okay, I hope he gets it. Like, I hope he doesn't. Because there's so many things that are involved when you're building a relationship with someone who's going to shape your career. My goal, my like my ideal situation would be find a manager who understands this new age of diversity and inclusion because this is still a very novel thing for Hollywood. They're still trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out how to talk about it. They're trying to figure out how to write the story so that they're not offensive, that they're clever but not offensive and cheesy and stupid harder than you think and there's a lot of different layers and a lot of different relationships that require a certain level of wokeness intelligence sensitivity and tact and i'm like in la just to be real is not being a hater that that might be a tall order right um i mean that's just where we're at i'm trying to approach this as at least like be an understanding person. I have to be patient, but that's what I want. I want someone who gets it. I, I want someone ideally who I don't really kind of have to guide through this, but I already kind of had this feeling with this dude that this might be the case. Again, though, I'm cold emailing people. I have slim pickings. Just got to go with it. So he was my one response. I got another response. I ended up talking with four managers in total, which is really, really incredible. Um, but that first gentleman, he was like just so eager to work with me. And for somebody that's like so hungry and had been waiting for six years for this moment, yeah, I wanted to like jump at it. But the pragmatic, intelligent person inside of me, who's not just like overly psyched and like a kid in a candy store, like, I get what I want. I was like, whoa, you got to like really think about this before you commit and communicate like you you gotta be one half of this corporation here that's being built as <laughs> I like treat it like we're building a we're building an empire right now sir um or ma'am whoever like we gotta be on the same page so um this was a really important experience for me to grow up and learn how to bide my time how to speak clearly on my own behalf and how to be very even though this guy seems so great and generous and all these things pay attention to the little tiny red flags that are waving and and just cool it for a second. So he started basically for two weeks representing me unofficially. He started submitting me. There's a whole process online that happens that like he'll add me to his roster and he can like start submitting me to process to projects. Now off the bat, like he submitted me and these are the red flags that came up. He submitted me to a couple projects and both of them were just not me. And it's funny because he had emphasized so clearly, like, I want to get to know you. I want to know your um, your goals. And, like, you know, you're my only uh, Asian female on my roster. You will get my full attention for any projects, like, really just pitching and selling himself to me. But the projects that he submitted me to, I mean, I've been submitting myself for six years straight, pretty much every day for six years, like, I wasn't particularly impressed. Now, the whole point, like, this is where I wouldn't want to be a snob, but I was like, I want to work with somebody who can get me in rooms that I couldn't get in myself for projects that are above the level of which I have access to. That's the goal, right? Like, I'm trying to level up. So those were red flags, too, that I was like, one of them was kind of playing like this, no, like, is just like a dumb girl, like a dumb girl who 
shows up wearing like a tight t-shirt and a thong because she just boned this main character guy and she's stupid and doesn't even know where like the bathroom is um and I was like can you and this is a tough part of being an actor like you shouldn't judge all the characters if they're a character you could play like you should entertain that idea because it's still a gig um but I was kind of like communicating with him I was like I don't know if I feel like you know right out the gate like showing my butt on tv and like that being the thing again like it was we had that it was already kind of uncomfortable so that was one of our first conversations and we kept um getting to know each other and he appreciated my honesty he's like you're he's like but then he also was kind of like pushing back he's like you need to let me guide your career and i'm like okay i'm still getting to know you so until then we're i'm not in a place of 100 percent trust so this was kind of the the dynamic him putting things on the table and me either accepting or rejecting them. I was really trying to be as open as possible to hear everything he had to say. Again, this person had 34 years of experience under his belt and just like, you know, he knew what he was talking about. I had no doubt that he had done a lot of great work, but I was also a little bit on my end like you also don't know the world that I occupy and I don't I think we still need to figure that out which is why I wasn't completely sold on him. Um, The real thing came to a head when I was, so during this like two to three week period of time, he's still submitting me, sending me stuff like, what do you think of this? I submitted you for this. And me going like, no, I was talking to other managers and uh, one of them was really wonderful. Like I adored him. We vibed so well. He's the cutest thing ever. Um, but just young and he was, it was a brand new company. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out because this is like the polar opposite of this old white guy. He's been in the business for 34 years and it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks in a way, but you're completely new and you don't have the relationships that he does. And it'd be really fun to like figure this all out with you. But I kind of wanted somebody who already has these relationships who already get me in rooms. Um, so again, this is my cash 22. Um, there's another manager that came into the to the mix where I was still trying to feel things out. I didn't know what was really going on. Um, but the clincher that came in where I was really at at uh, a, a kind of like a crossroads of like a really important point with myself was when this older white manager, um, again, sweetest man, like so nice total professional he sent me a list of photos that he needed he's like okay if we're going to make your profile um more competitive and just more you know give the casting directors more to see i totally agreed with him because a lot of photos of me were just kind of the same it's me with long straight hair smiling in different outfits basically and he's like we want more bohemian photos we want more that basically means like full body lifestyle photos like you in an environment not just your headshot and then he gave me a list he's like oh like a badass fighter chick and i was like that's cool would love to be maggie q you know um don't know if i fit that but yeah let's do that he gives me a whole list of all these things like is there glamour shot is there blah 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 and like all these are completely relevant and fine. I was like, yeah, these would help show different characters in my profile. The one part where I stopped and I was like, I need a geisha photo from you. And I was like, I was like what? Excuse me? Because um, I was mad triggered by that. Now, again, why I spent so much time on the context? I've spent my time that last nine years um, 
dissecting the Asian American representation in media conversation. Now, it struck me as very odd that this guy, not odd, it's just kind of like a bummer that this guy who said he's so passionate about having more diversity in his roster didn't like that in my outraged millennial, you know, bubble that I live in, I was like, my automatic reaction was like, what the hell? Like, I'm sorry, excuse me? Like, it was, I was pissed off. Um, I was very kind of just like turned off. And um, yeah, I was just like not okay with that. But then I had to stop myself and think. I was like, see, and this is the problematic part because I'm like, this has been my entire existence is excusing the ignorant. Oh, they didn't mean to be racist. They didn't, they're just ching-chonging me because they don't understand. Now, mind you, I'm perfectly aware that there's a spectrum of racism. There is a difference between racist, which I think is is fueled by like prejudice, which is a conscious awareness that you are belittling somebody based on their race, that you are projecting hatred or condescension or ridicule or just it's not a respectful like racism implies to me that yeah like there's something very negative behind it there's a difference between that and just being dumb you know like there's a difference between being racist which i equate as kind of like there's a direct there's a force behind it like they're trying to like make you feel bad because you're asian or because you're black or because you're latino um there's a difference to me between that and ignorance like literally just not knowing now i don't and i had to step back to cool it because like i've been around this so much and to be completely honest like this is me keeping 100 percent real as i try to always do i get pretty sick of all the outrage at this point because i'm just like is this really helping us and is it fair like to be honest like if i say something stupid I do my best, like, because I very much, I've been on the receiving end of racism. I don't ever really want to be a racist person. I have to admit, I've said some racist things. And, like, if we're going to be real, a lot of the things that get said outwards for, like, the majority of, like, people, like, I make jokes about white people. I've made jokes about, like, is that not, does that not qualify as racist? Because you're making fun of white people, you feel like it's justified because white people are racist back to you. You know what I mean? Like, that's not accurate or true to say i'm not racist like i am i've absolutely said that and that's been something that bothers me because in all other arenas of life i get i don't really like to listen to people who i believe are hypocrites you know it's problematic to me if you if you start preaching to me and telling me not to do or be xyz but then you are and you do xyz I'm not going to listen to you, you know, in general, whatever it is, you know, it's like you telling me to be a vegan, but you eating like a big hamburger. Like, no, why? Why would I listen to you? Um, so it's been hard because everyone's mad about everything, you know, and their reasons, I don't think that they're not justified. I'm just like, we've, we've been doing all of that for a while now and I'm like is this helping is this getting us where we want to go because I'm getting tired and I'm like only in my I really entered my second act like just entered my second act of my life I still have several more years to live and I'm already exhausted so what can we do and what do I need to do to check myself that I'm not contributing to the problem 
because it's starting to bug the crap out of me. Um, it's tough to be in rooms where people are talking blatantly about race and to constantly being in attendance of and hosting and moderating panels about racism, about, you know, the problems of the problematic. There's a lot there that needs to be. And I've been talking about it for nine years, I feel like, straight, you know? I get it. Um, but that's where I'm like, even if it's justified, I want to figure out a way, like, because of my exhaustion, how to solve the freaking problem instead of, like, because I'm pissed, just put lighter fluid on the fire, you know, with my rage, even though that rage is totally justified. And how to check myself and not be that which I disrespect, which is I wouldn't appreciate if I said something out of complete and utter ignorance and not out of like a hate. There's a difference in me, too, because I say stupid stuff all the time, stuff that I say because I'm completely just I did not pay attention or was not educated in a certain area. If I say something stupid and it was completely unintentional and it's not one of the. I've said some terrible things in my life. If it was not one of those terrible things where I know that I'm being like hateful or mean or just like condescending or, you know, just not a great person. If I'm saying something out of ignorance, I would really appreciate if somebody could kindly correct me in a way that's not attacking me. That's what I would like. I would really appreciate that. To not be yelled at, to not be told that I'm a horrible person, to not be lectured but to have someone explain it to me. That's what I would like. So this is where I got, I got like, (laughs) I had to be real with myself and I had to fight some major urges because I was supremely annoyed. I was like, so you're telling me that you want to represent me. You want me to go out there and audition for you, make you money. You want me to go out there and like, give you a geisha photo. That's what you're going to say. You want me to, you want to represent me. You care so much, but you don't even know that asking for a geisha photo is offensive. I'm, you know that I'm Korean American. That was like in the first conversation that we had, you are not aware or intelligent enough to like know that there's a difference that geishas come from a Japanese culture that has nothing to do with my Korean background. If you did care about diversity and inclusion, you would know that you should not ask any Asian woman for a geisha outfit. You could could, like find a better way to like ask her for like a traditional Asian outfit, which I actually do have a whole photo shoot of me in a humble. Like there was that entitled anger that was kind of honestly programmed in me. I feel like at this point, to just be like, oh my God, I roll, I roll, I roll another, like, what a racist thing to say. Like, how ignorant, how dumb are you? I'm not going to lie. That part of me was there. Um, but then I, I've just been turning over this topic a lot. And I've talked and argued and debated and agreed and fought with Kenji about a lot of this stuff. Because we come from two really different backgrounds. I come a very... I come from a very Asian American centric, you know, world and he is very much not, he comes from a very white world and he's just learning all about it through me. Um, it, it was, it was kind of this moment. So what ultimately ended up happening, this is a very long story. What ultimately ended up happening is that that, that was like really the, the sinker that was my gut feeling like this isn't going to work out. I think it's going to be way too much work with this guy. 
albeit he has like mad connections, he's very experienced, but I think it'll require a lot of me to try to like, there's, this is kind of like the third big strike of, I don't think he gets what it is that I would want to do. Um, and I don't really trust him for him to have the, the eyes and the strategy and the ins with the types of roles that I might be good for. Um, so I just, I'm going to say no, even though initially I was like, yes, 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 yes. This is all I want. Oh, this guy is like down for me. And he's like 34 years in the biz. I had to say no. Um, but I also had the option. This I had a crossroads. I was like, I have the choice to either not address this major problem because it came up multiple times about like the stupid, like a just sexual object Asian chick role that he submitted me for. The other role that I was submitted for was like this. This. Why are there so many? Whatever. I mean, it is a problem. So maybe that's why there's so many roles for prostitutes. Like there's the other character, the two characters that he submitted me for. Again, this has like been a lot of my experience as an actress. So many roles where I'm like, I'm either a prostitute or I'm a former prostitute. And the role that he submitted me for and ha- wanted me audition was for a woman who used to be a prostitute, but was now running the brothel. And no, thank you. Not only just the character, it's just like a really bad script. So I was just like, that, those are the two strikes. The third was a geisha photo, and I was just like, nah. Um, had the choice to address all those things and to be really clear about why I was saying no or just say no thank you and go about my merry way. Now, the latter just felt like it was a cowardly way out. It was more comfortable for me because then I wouldn't have to have this massively uncomfortable conversation. But I was also like, Minji, you are trained to speak about this. You have spent the last nine years listening to others be completely profound and brilliant, explaining why things like geisha photos are so problem. Like asking an, a random Asian actress for geisha photos is a problematic request. You know all of this. You've moderated panels. You've done keynote speeches on this and you're not going to talk to him because you want to you just would rather be comfortable. Is that who you are? Like I had to check myself so hard and it was, I hate that. I hate my, sometimes my conscience is super annoying because I'm just like, leave me alone. I'm just trying to live my life. I have enough stress. Like, do I have to, I have to go school this guy now? But yes, that's what ultimately I did. And he was so wonderful about it. And he, it was like momentarily uncomfortable because initiating that conversation is uncomfortable it's awkward confrontation no one likes it but i was just like this is important this is like what i chose to make my my plight i guess so you would be a complete hypocrite and a coward if you don't address this with this very nice gentleman who did not you know for a fact he did not mean to be any sort of a you know passive aggressively racist person he doesn't know and you you have the opportunity to help him. So help him. So that's what I did. I talked with him and um, I explained one of the reasons why I was saying no and it was not moving forward with working with him. That was really sad. I did not like saying that. Um, I was just like, I don't, you know, I, I really appreciate the effort you put into me by taking me on as an unofficial client for the last three weeks for getting me these auditions, even though I declined them and they didn't work out telling him 
very honestly why I felt uncomfortable with the types of characters that I would be portraying and I didn't want to. And also really listening to him and taking his advice because he had very sound advice on specific lessons that I needed to learn and not shutting everything down right off the bat and communicating with a manager and all of those things. He really did take the time to explain things that personally he could have been equally annoyed with me he's like who's this noob trying to act like she knows everything and i'm trying to help her out and all right cool like i don't there's a lot of other actresses out there you take care he really didn't have to take the time and effort to invest all that he did in me so i appreciated that and when it came to the geisha photo that's when it got the most uncomfortable but i had to kind of ramp myself up to get there and i explained to him that Geisha photos, though I understood where it was coming from, that they were not part of my culture, that the work that I had been doing with Asian American diversity was to identify these these conversations that make a person feel misunderstood or in some ways disrespected, that geishas, they, they're a very specific role that they play kind of like a manservant or like a man's plaything, and that it's also from Japanese. There's a lot of different problematic things about asking for a geisha costume. Um, and that there are very few roles. I've never, like, I haven't even seen a geisha role be requested. Um, they're very few and far between. So it's just weird that out of all the different Asian roles that have come across my way, that you'd ask for a geisha photo because I was like, I've never come across a geisha. It just kind of shows that you don't get it. Um, but I recommended to him, you know, I said, those are the things that made me uncomfortable and this is why. But I think that, you know, moving forward, I think if you're looking to fill that Asian American actress space in your roster that you were seeking to fill with me, I think you should approach that person by asking for them for a traditional Asian outfit. I think that's a much better way to request. I understood what you wanted, but the geisha word for me was problematic. It was triggering. It didn't you know, ugh. and he was like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that's not a comfortable thing for you to say. Um, I'm so sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable or that I offended you. Like that was not my intention. And, you know, and then I was like, I felt like such a jerk, even though I wasn't being a jerk. I was being really nice about it. I was like, no, no, no. I know you didn't mean anything about it, um, bad about it at all. And that's why I wanted to explain it to you because I just don't want you to have that kind of miscommunication in the in the future. I think you are clearly a great manager. Um, I'm looking for something a little bit different. And he's like, that's totally fine. And, you know, when I, he praised me, he's like, you're a person of great integrity. I think you're going to do great in this business and did all this stuff. And then it was really sweet because then he had more questions. He's like, can you explain to me what it means when they say East Asian? And I was just like, oh my God, you're adorable. Um, yeah, and I was like, you know, East Asians, usually like Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Southeast Asian, like Vietnam and Thailand, like there's different, you know, Pacific Islanders usually mean Filipino or Samoan or, and there's South Asians and like there's differentiations. There's a lot. And he's like, I had no idea. I didn't know any of these things. Thank you. Thank you so much for explaining that. And I was like, dang. So, wow. Okay. So... The summary, I mean, I've kind of been summarizing as I go, but 
it's been an interesting time to see where I want to go in the future as a person. That conversation was not as uncomfortable as I thought it would be. It was all uncomfortable in the anticipation of it. The actual conversation itself was not that bad at all. It was actually very pleasant. I actually felt like a much better person because he was so gracious about it. And yeah, because he appreciated what I shared with him, I felt like I'd done the right thing. Um, And I was really glad that I said no, too, because I was listening to my gut and I knew that it was the best decision for me. Um, But yeah, it's kind of like turning points, like growing pains of how to deal with the outrage, because I realize like what my tendencies are and what a lot of my friends around me. I have some really beautifully outspoken people, and this is in no way trying to like crap on anybody's outspokenness. I'm saying specifically for me, I get tired of just being angry because the thing is like the anger is going to be there. But if we're like just going in circles, being angry, pointing fingers and being hateful and yeah, it can be honestly really entertaining and funny. There's so much good comedy that's come out of just like crapping on the opposing party or the opposing person or the villain of the situation. Um, And as wonderful and entertaining as that is, and I probably will still partake in that comedy. I mean, that's dream, right? It's like to be Melissa McCarthy because what she did with Sean Spicer is just magic. Um, But at the same time, the point of like saying all those things by expressing that anger, if it's justifiable, um, is to create change. What we want is change. And the way that people are going to go about that change is very different. And we all have to figure out how we're going to do that. And I think that every conversation counts, Um, whether it's, you know, in a public setting or whether it's personally between two friends where you I I mean, Abe and I talked about this in our episode about religion, too. It gets awkward and uncomfortable, even like you could be the same race, but you are of two different faiths. You know, like I used to go to church and I don't anymore. It's been uncomfortable. I've had uncomfortable conversations with friends about them trying to like preach to me and tell me I need to be a Christian and like that can be an uncomfortable you know there's so many different ways that we are that we're going to be challenged right and there's so many ways that we're going to have to learn how to respond not just react but to respond it's going to suck if you just walk away feeling angry feeling bitter feeling disrespected and there's nothing done by you or by anybody else to like remedy that that's just like terrible stuff to feel with. I've dealt with racism. I've been ching chonged at for every day for four months. I was ching chonged and Nihao Mod and like Konnichiwa at in in Europe. And some days I flipped them off. Some days I cursed at them in English, which was stupid because I'm in Paris. I don't even know if they understood. Mm. The F word's pretty well known word, but um, it jeopardized my happiness. It jeopardized like my feelings of like happiness but it was like the real life experience of like oh this is actually life in europe it's not just like croissants and the eiffel tower there's racism um all over the world and those are ugly truths and like how do we go about resolving that how do i get it so that people stop catcalling me um and people got to be creative about that we can write blogs and articles we can write letters to congress people we can create podcasts and we can create comedy we can create a really great drama And there's so many ways to address that. And that's great. And I totally advocate for all that. Find your way so that you're not putting yourself in danger or other people in danger. But we got to figure that out. That's why I wanted to share this story because it was a really eye-opening experience for me to learn um, my scope of power. 
that this guy, if I objectively step out of my uh, my emotions at that moment and recognize this guy was speaking out of ignorance and it wasn't like blatant hostile racism, that it was an opportunity for me to use the things that I've learned to try to explain myself and to be truthful about how I felt in a non-threatening way so that he could understand me, not so that I could make him feel bad for what he had done or what he said to like hurt my feelings, which he did not intend to do, but he, he made me uncomfortable and that comment made me uncomfortable. So I had to like explain it. Um, personally, I, I don't imagine every single conversation can always go that well, but I'm, I have power in how that's going to turn out too. I have a way to affect my outcome. It's going to be how I approach that person. Am I going to approach that person with empathy? Am I going to approach that person with, with kindness and grace that I would like to receive if I were in that person's shoes? If I said something unintentionally wrong or offensive, I would never want to repeat that. I'm not the kind of person like if I, if, again, if you're a friend too, if I have something in my teeth, tell me, okay? Like be nice about it. Don't, call me out embarrass me because then I'll cry and I get embarrassed really easily but like if you can kindly be like hey you got you got something in your teeth you should probably like handle that or like if you have your fly down you're just like walking down the street you'd want someone you like a kind person be like hey by the like kindly you know you got your your flies down you should probably fix that that's that's kind of them because they they're trying to help you not walk around foolishly um just something to think about. I'm not trying to be preaching. Just sharing what I learned. Because I'm a very... If you haven't been able to tell by now in the last 45 minutes, I can get worked up about a lot of things. And that's something that can be really powerful because my words and my emotions have force. If I project that onto other people, I've hurt a lot of people um, by letting emotions and heated opinions and xyz just kind of run unchecked it has damaged relationships in the past it has hurt people in the past it's built walls in between people that i didn't want to do that with instead of building a bridge instead of creating harmony i created friction sometimes friction is necessary but not always you know what i mean so just choose those things and see where you have power you cannot change others you really can only change yourself and my goal wasn't to like necessarily change the guy i just wanted him to know where i came from hopefully he would change his vocabulary the next time around and i was trying to present it in a way i was like this is to help you out bro so that you don't make other people uncomfortable and you get to have a good relationship with your future asian actress um it's worth thinking about it, in my opinion it definitely helped me I'm still figuring a lot out. I'm still going to mess up. I say so many things. I just like, I talk a lot. <laughs> so I have a podcast. Um, but that's my story of the the time that I was asked for geisha photos and how that went. I hope it wasn't too preachy, y'all. It's nothing but love. We're all figuring it out. I think as long as you're thinking about it and putting any sort of incremental effort into it, I think you're on a good track, you know, and you're where you are. So... Think about it. Um, be easy on yourself, but keep yourself accountable. Know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I don't know I'm so hyper. I mean, it's really tired right now. It's very late at night. I should be sleeping, but I wanted to record this podcast. So anyway, thank you all. I hope you're having a very wonderful holiday season. It's, it's time for New Year's resolution soon. Put some thought into it. 
create a plan, strategize, because to be honest, I think if we all set really good goals, there's a lot of really good change that can happen quickly. Um, And I really believe in like the ripple effect. Good deeds lead to other people. Good deeds. You smile at somebody and make them feel better. That energy will then pass on to others. I don't think it stops at just that person. So don't ever underestimate what you can do by um, choosing kindness over anger. Like I'm really, 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 really working on that. Really, really working on that. Um, I'm going to just apply it in my art. You know what I mean? That's why I'm an actor. So I can just be paid to be angry because I'm really good at it. Um, And that's it for this episode. And I thank you all uh, for tuning in. If this was entertaining or (laughs) something you might want to share with a friend, please do. And if you are a fan of First of All, please do subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review. Thank you so much for those who are leaving those five-star reviews. It does help more people tune in and find out about the podcast. You can find First of All Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio Public, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere else you find podcasts. And I want to give a huge shout out. Thank you to my Patreon patrons. Uh, Patreon is a platform for crowdfunding different independent artists such as myself y'all keep the microphone on and i appreciate you so much so thank you to my patreon patrons and uh yeah i'm a proud member of the potluck podcast collective shout out to marvin yue my audio engineer aquafina for letting me use her song yellow ranger you're the woman she's just grabbing nominations left and right for like golden globes sag awards whatever she's in two movies in sundance it's amazing so shout out to aquafina That girl gets so much love through this podcast because I always do my shout out to her song. And I just think she's amazing. Um, Also a lot of fuel for me. Like I want to act in a project with her one day. So that'd be fun. In any case, have a great week. Uh, Tune in soon with more episodes coming your way with more featured guests and more stories. This is Minji Chang from First of All signing off. Bye, guys. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, We've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.